Si hubiera estado allí Entre la multitud Que tu muerte pidió Que te crucificó Lo tengo que admitir Hubiera yo también Clavado en esa cruz Tus manos mi Jesús estado allí pensándolo más bien también yo estaba allí yo fui el que te escupió y tu costado y yo pensándolo más bien yo fui el que coronó y dolor tu frente buen Señor también yo estaba allí si hubiera estado allí al pie de aquella cruz oyéndote clamar al Padre en soledad Lo tengo que admitir Te hubiera yo también Dejado así morir Mirándote sufrir Si hubiera estado allí Para mí, Señor, también yo estaba allí. También yo estaba allí. También yo estaba allí.
Good morning, Calvary Chapel. <clears throat> he is risen. I want to hear you say it, even though I'm not there. I want to be able to hear it through the windows. He is risen. God bless you guys. God bless you. He is risen indeed. And, um, you know, this morning when I woke up, uh, I looked outside and it had just rained. You know, I don't know where in the area where you live at if it rained, but it rained a little bit. And for me, me personally, I enjoy mornings. I like to see the sunrise. And as I was seeing this morning, the sunrise, it just simply reminded me again, like every other day, that he's still my king. He's still on the throne. He's still alive. Before we begin the message, I just want to bring up uh, some announcements or some, some comments that I want to share with you. As you know, if you are tuning in on, on Wednesday night, and if you receive my text messages regarding uh, amnesty, and you know Philip and, and Roxanne, what they went through just recently, um, thank you for those of you who actually took the time to come out and just visit with them really quick. I know that we're supposed to keep distance, but thank you for those of you who did come out and show the support. You know, in times like that, we've already been quarantined for, you know, two week, over two weeks already, and, and people need human interaction, you know, human touch. And for them, this was a, a very difficult time, and this is pretty much just the beginning of a, of a very hard time. Last night, last night, if you have Facebook, uh, I, I shared a, a link uh, where Philip was actually going live on Facebook. Uh, Guardian Angels, uh, I believe is the name of this uh, motorcycle group. Guardian Angels came over to their home last night and showed support to them. That's what this these uh, motorcycle uh, group does. They show support for those families whose child has been abducted or is missing or, or something similar. So they came over last night and visited them. They're going to come back tonight at 8.30 p.m. over to their home again and show more support for them. Um, but again, thank you for those of you who did come out, who even probably sent them a text or a call uh, in support of what they went through with their daughter. Uh, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have been praying for you know, not only my family, but for all the families of this Calvary Chapel uh, body. Uh, you know, we, we, we spent already, some of us longer, but some of you have spent about two weeks in quarantine uh, and only going out to grow, do groceries or, or if you're still working, I'm glad that you're still working. I'm glad that you're still working. Uh, but if you haven't been working, if you stayed at home, one of the things that you got to do, I suggest that you do, give each other a phone call. I know we can't visit. I know that, you know, whatever. Give each other a phone call. Especially now. Especially give each other a text. Send a text. You know, uh, FaceTime, uh, Skype. There's all kinds of avenues that we can still keep in touch. Me personally, I'm ready. If I had the okay now to, to open the doors, you know, come on in. I'm here at the church. Let's get together. I'm waiting for that day when we can come back again. And somebody has said before, you know, we take for granted. We have taken for granted 
the simple little things that that we get to do even simply driving our child to go to school dropping them off at school taking for granted to be out and about like there's nothing going on uh, but in either way let's pray continue to pray for each other because during this past you know quarantine time domestic violence has been on the on the rise and obviously because people are, are now with each other 24 7 some people and they're you know they're getting on each other's nerves what my wife and I have done and we have 10 people living in this house you know one or two days out of the week we've been going out in the evening just to go pick up a cup of coffee at McDonald's in World Park or we just drive around we drove downtown the other night just just that's it just to clear our minds and we parked in front of our yard too just her and I just do something get creative about what you can do as husband and wife to, to, to pull away and just be alone even if you don't talk even if you just you know clear your mind from everything that's going on but yes um, what else what else did I want to share um, you know we don't know when we're coming back we don't know when um, the mayor or the governor I heard that the governor um, Greg Abbott is supposed to be announcing that this coming Monday tomorrow announces uh, the plan as to how and when Texas is going to reopen again back to business so I'm hoping that it is pretty soon as far as you know the churches I was speaking to a pastor a Calvary Chapel pastor last night well not last night but yesterday afternoon and just like any other Calvary Chapel in any other church I'm sure they're they're struggling financially um, but one of the things that he did share was that he's he said I don't know if I can make it through another two more weeks you know being at home and these this this pastor their homeschooling family now imagine people who are not used to this <laughs> you know being at home 24 7 with their kids uh, so again pray for each other here's here's a few things that I took uh, if you listen to or if you watch um, Chris Hogan or Dave Ramsey he said that there's three things that you can take control of and only you can control and actually added another one to to that list you can only control yourself you can only control yourself what goes on in your being and that goes to say your attitude your outlook your actions and then he added uh, Dave Ramsey added your faith you can only you can control that you yourself or what goes on you cannot control this craziness that's going on around us you cannot control it you can't but you can't control yourself and actually that's part of the uh, what we learned in first timothy second timothy titus you know the fruits of the spirit self-control only you can control that your attitude how you respond to things y'all look and I'm not talking about you know being positive thinking and, and you know listening to positive music and sounds no that's not what I'm talking about just how the faith that God is in control of everything and he is in control of everything think about this if he wasn't in control today if he wasn't in control today of everything that's going on then Calvary Golgotha, what happened there? He was never in control. He's never he was never in control of being in the tomb. But he is. The Bible says, um, be still and know that I am God. 
And guess what? He's gotten the attention of everybody right now around the world. Everybody. Everybody. The entire world. To be still. And know that He is God. Pay attention to what's going on around us right now. Don't just sit at home and, and binge watch Netflix. Don't just, you know, get your eyes glued on, you know, CNN or Fox News all the time. Yes, get informed, but pull away. Pick up the Bible. Go out to your backyard, you know, do something with your kids. Learn a new hobby. Pick up a book. Read. If you're not a reader, you know, download the app, Audible. Do something. Get out of that. Oh, well, I'm trapped. No. You can control that. Your actions, you can control that. And if you're constantly just listening to, and, and listening to the news, it's your fault. Because you're going to be afraid of everything that's going on around you. It's your fault. You're, you're feeding that. You can control what's going in into your ears, what you're listening to. And you can control your actions based on what you're listening to. So, faith. And then if you're at home cooped up and, and then you, you get in on each other's nerves, you also have control of everything that's going on in your person. One of the things that I remember and we laugh about it, uh, when my older two daughters were younger, of course, it was only them two with us, I would be driving down the road and of course they were in the back seats and they were having a drink, an unopened or uncovered drink and I would hit a bump and they would spill it and one of the things that they would, one of them would say or both of them you made me spill it your husband your wife your kids they didn't make you do anything they didn't make you get angry they didn't make you happy you make yourself angry you make yourself happy not them that's something you can control enough about that let's pray and begin with the message today Join me in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can look. Actually, let me back up, Lord. Thank you that we have been able to open our eyes this morning, Lord. Thank you that we know that you are on the throne, Lord Jesus. That you are sitting at the right hand of the Father and looking down at us, Lord Jesus. Waiting, yearning. You yearn for me. You yearn for everybody, Lord, that is part of your family to be with us one day very, very, very soon, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that every day that we wake up, as your word says, your promises are renewed, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God, because you've given us those promises. You've given us hope. You've given us your Holy Spirit to know that you're coming back. And with this Holy Spirit, Lord, guiding us, encouraging us, Lord Jesus, continue to do so, Lord, until the day, as your word says in the book of 1 Peter, until the day of visitation, your visitation, Father. Thank you, Lord. I pray for today's message, Lord Jesus. Let it be your words spoken this morning, Lord. And by your Holy Spirit, Father God, speak to us. Speak to us mightily, Lord. Shake us up, Lord, if you need to, Father in whichever way you please to do so, Father. We trust and believe by faith, Lord, that you are fully and always have been and will be in control, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me move my stuff around here so we can get started.
Again, church, he is risen. He is risen. Um, there's been times, at least me personally, and I'm sure some of you have felt this way. There's been times when, you know, whatever day, not, not at one specific day out of the week, but there's been times when I look around and all of a sudden I feel like something's out of place and my wife I tell her this often when this happens there's something out of place something's missing or well, there's times when I feel like there's something wrong something's happening and I believe that's the spirit similar things happened this past you know Wednesday Wednesday morning really Tuesday night when this happened with you know Philip and his daughter something was wrong because I woke up several times during the night being awake, fully awake. It wasn't just like I needed to go in to, to go to the restroom or anything like that. Um, something was wrong. Something was out of place. And over 2,000 years ago, Peter, who we've been studying about in the book of First Peter, Peter, happened. this happened to him one of these days. You know, during, we go back to um, uh, Palm Sunday, Peter looked around and he knew something was out of place. Something was wrong. Something strange was about to happen. He didn't know what exactly, but he he was still feeling that way. What's happening? Um, in, in, I was going to say First Peter. And Peter, who we know was a very rough, rugged man. Peter who would shoot from the hip. Um, spent three years being an eyewitness with Jesus in everything that Jesus did. So even he noticed something was wrong with Jesus. Something different. Not that something was wrong with him, but something was different about him. The way he was speaking in the last week, the things that he was teaching his disciples, because in the very last week he taught them more and more and more and more frequently. He wanted to prepare them for what was coming in the next few days. And in all the way to all the way through the crucifixion, the disciples were still like, We don't understand. What do you mean, Jesus? Peter was one of them. Now, Palm Sunday, also known as the triumphal entry, is when everybody, including the, the Gentiles, because they knew their scriptures, were waiting for the coming Messiah. And they greeted Jesus. On the, on the donkey coming in, the peaceful king. That's what it meant when somebody was riding on the donkey, a king, was that they were bringing peace. And that's what Jesus did, coming in with the donkey. Now, the triumphal entry, and I want to be specific about the days of when this occurred, the days of the week, because we automatically think, because we hear Good Friday, and then Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we think if you make them do the math, it doesn't add up three days and three nights in the tomb. Good Friday does not add up to three days and three nights. So uh, Palm Sunday happened during our Saturday sunset to Sunday sunset, which is the 11th day of the month. And for them is the, the month of Nisan. Nisan, not Nisan, the car maker, no, Nisan. Now, during the same week, we also see what happened, the cursing of the fig tree, taking place in Matthew 21, verse 19 through 22. Also, we see Jesus cleansing the temple when he went and drove everybody out of the temple, you know, flipped tables 
and whatnot in Luke 19, 45 through 47. Now, Judas, Judas Iscariot, Judas was a common name at that time, but Judas Iscariot by now had met with the chief priest and the captain of the military for what? To betray Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verse 1 through 6 for 30 pieces of silver. And according to Exodus 21, verse 32, 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave. The price of a slave. And Jesus was sold, you know, from, from Judas for the price of a slave. And in the book of Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah kind of mocks or, or, or makes fun of this price because he says in Zechariah chapter 11 verse 13 says that princely price 30 pieces of gold he's he's mocking he's he's being sarcastic oh yes he got paid 30 pieces of silver the price of a prince which obviously we know it wasn't much there was not a lot now let's we're going to be looking at the study from the point of view of, of Peter because we've been studying about his letter. So let's continue seeing what he saw before he wrote the book of First and Second Peter. What he saw during that Passion Week, from his point of view, from his vantage point, what he could have seen and what he probably was feeling and thinking, even though he didn't write it down on a letter. At least for us to read. Now, this will take place where we begin during our Tuesday sunset to Wednesday sunset, which is the 14th day of Nisan, the month of Nisan. Now, this was the, the day for unleavened bread. This was during the special Sabbath, not the regular Sabbath. This was a special high holy Sabbath, which they 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 were about to celebrate. So they were making preparation for the Passover festival, a special Passover festival. And this was this wasn't the regular Sabbath as we know it. You know, from Friday sunset to Saturday Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. I'm getting tongue tied. During this time, the spotless Passover lamb was supposed to be sacrificed. And we're going to look at it in the book of Luke. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 22 and read along with me. Luke 22, starting in verse 7, it says, Then came the day of unleavened bread. When the Passover must be killed. Talking about the Passover lamb. And he sent Peter and John. This is Jesus sending them. Saying go and prepare the Passover for us. That we may eat. So they said to him. Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them. Behold. When you have entered the city. A man will meet you. Carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where we may eat at the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, 
and they prepare the Passover. Now Peter knew again, he's he seen things out of place. Peter knew that even the instructions that Jesus had given him, both him and John, were odd. Because there were specific instructions, specific people that he was going to meet. And what was odd about it, it was that because Peter knew that there was other disciples and Judas Iscariot was the treasurer, was the one that kept all the money. And he was usually the one that would take care of preparing meals and buying meals and buying and preparing anything for them. But this time around, he was sending John and Peter. So that was out of place. He knew that was different and then giving the specific instructions as to finding a man. Now, this is peculiar and out of place too because carrying water was the job at that time, the job of women going to the well and getting water, carrying it in a pitcher. But this time it was a man. So obviously they spotted him right away. So they followed him. And just as Jesus had given them those specific instructions, that's the way they found it. And even though Peter and John found all this just the way he, Jesus, said it would be, it was still odd for them. Now, this home which they went to uh, to prepare this in the upper room, it is believed by many scholars, it is believed that it was the, the home of the mother of John Mark. Because later on, through the book of Acts, we learned that that's where the, the church and the disciples would meet afterwards for prayer and for studying the scriptures. Now they prepared everything, just as Jesus said. Continue reading verse 14. When Jesus, I'm sorry, when the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This is something that for them are like, what, what, what is he talking about before he suffers? For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this, is, take this and divide it among yourself. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took of the cup after the supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man who, by whom he is betrayed. They began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Now, obviously Peter, though he was listening to all this and it was he was perplexed about everything that Jesus was saying, you know, the blood, you know, his body, he must suffer. What is he talking about? And and the disciples at that time were still arguing. In, amongst themselves as to who was the greatest and who ought to be the greatest among them. So Peter being prideful again, this is Peter the one that, that just you know speaks without thinking. In prideful Peter 
he he joined them in this you know this conversation as to who was the greatest and this was not the first time again this is not the first time they they would do this and Jesus seeing that this is what they were doing he took this opportunity Jesus took this opportunity obviously our Lord is not going to waste anything uh, to teach and I gotta say this before I continue with the study as I we're going to the study I may be referring in the first person of Peter maybe in the second person or maybe as a third person the way I speak about Peter so for those of you who know English understand not English the language English but understand um, literature this is how I'm going to be referring to Peter now let's keep reading verse 24 now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest and he said to them the kings this is Jesus speaking now the kings of the Gentiles exercise exercise lordship over them and those who are exercise authority over them are called benefactors but not so among you on the contrary he who is greatest among you let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves for who is greater he who sits at the table or he who serves is it not he who sits at the table yet I am among you as the one who serves but you are those who have continued with me in my trials and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed upon me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel and what Jesus did Luke does not record it not because he didn't he didn't want to record this but you know there's different points of view what what ended up happening that as Jesus was speaking is that Jesus became the lowest of the lowest servants by washing the disciples' feet now to be able to see this together go to the book of John John chapter 13 John 13 Starting in verse 1. John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that this hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things to into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God rose from the supper and laid aside his garments took a towel and girded himself after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him Lord, are you washing my feet? This is prideful Peter. Jesus uh, answered and said to him, What I am doing to you, you do not understand, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet again, speaking without thinking. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. What he's talking about, Jesus, if I don't cleanse you with my blood, and this goes for anybody, 
who is not saved, who has never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if he doesn't wash you with his blood, the blood of Christ, then you have no part with him in heaven and in eternity. That's what he's talking about. If you do not wash you, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again he said to them do you know what I have done to you you call me teacher and Lord and you say well for I am so if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you most assuredly I say to you a servant is no greater than his master nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him if you know these things blessed are you if you do them the example what we've been reading and learning about in the book of first peter giving us an example jesus christ his example but not just to know them logically not just to know them you know oh yes i read it. i know i know i read it i read it but he says he here he who does these things if you do them, blessed is he who do do them. What? Example of serving one another, of serving each other. And in between John, what we just read, verse 1 through 18, we see Peter put his foot in his mouth again for what he said. And as he would always do so. But turn back to Luke chapter 22. Go back to Luke and continue reading 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, again, this is because of what Peter said. No, 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 not me, Lord, not me. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Strengthen your brother. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall crow this day before you. Before you deny me three times that you know me. Now the crow was the, the rooster was not going to crow three times. Peter was going to deny him three times before the rooster would crow. That's what he's saying. But we know again that Peter, Peter always put his foot in his mouth. And he tells him, he warns him, you're going to leave me, Peter. But when you come back, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Because people, the disciples, and this is what people do for us, with us too. We Christians are the ones being washed by the rest of the world, by our brethren. That when we fail, they see the example of Jesus Christ being lived in us and how we respond to circumstances. And if they see, well, my brother, you know, failed and now he's still on the ground, you know, why would I want to be a Christian? You know, his God didn't help him as opposed to having peace having faith i'm not saying you know be all positive i'm saying that having faith yes should you be scared about things yes it's normal but should you be running around with your head you know like a chicken with the head cut off no 
Have the peace. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Those words, be still. Stop running around. Stop going crazy. Listen. Listen to his words. Listen to his words. Now, after this event of Peter being warned that he was going to deny Jesus and the supper and the washing of the feet. Now, Jesus took them. They, they left the room. They, he, Jesus took them to the Garden of Gethsemane where they separated. He would go there often with them to pray. But this time around, he separated himself from the rest of the disciples. But he only took with him three of the disciples and a separate location. So he, Jesus took them with him, James, Peter, and John. And he asked them to stay awake, to pray with him, and to pray for themselves. He said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation in verse 40 of, of, of Luke 22. Peter, Peter, we know, those off a few times. And the Lord came back and woke him up. Being being man, I can imagine that Jesus came. I'm sure. I'm not saying that he did. I'm sure he came and kicked him. Hey, wake up! What are you doing? Especially Peter, because Peter was a rugged man. Uh, wake up! And then one of the times that he woke up and actually was paying attention, he noticed that Jesus was at a distance. And he noticed, at least for the time that he was awake, Peter noticed that he was praying. And he looked like he was in agony and so much pain, sweating. This is the middle of the night. He was sweating, crying, but praying with agony and to the point where he noticed that he thought that he seen blood being dropped from Jesus' forehead. And what he heard uh, Jesus pray was, Father, if it is his will, this is what he was listening to, take this cup away from him. That's what he was saying. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Speaking to the Father, Jesus speaking to the Father. This is Jesus talking about being afraid. Now Jesus was fully human, yet fully God. And he was afraid of what was going to come. He knew he had to die in our place, in your place. Peter was obviously rebuked when he came back a third time, Jesus, for falling asleep. Now, we don't notice that, that he, Jesus, rebukes the other two disciples, James and John, but Peter specifically, for a reason. Because, again, Peter was saying, yeah, me, not me, Lord. I can go with you and, you know, and die even to the point of death. I won't do that, Lord. In verse 47, this is when he wakes him up, Jesus and he says to them, come on, wake up. You know, the hour has come. And at that point, verse 47, a crowd of soldiers comes. It says here, in Judas Iscariot, and while, verse 47, and while he was still speaking, Jesus, behold, a multitude. And he was, who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. And in verse 48 says, But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Immediately, as soon as he kissed him, he walked away, and the soldiers grabbed Jesus. And Peter, again, Peter who shoots from the hip, 
doesn't think he didn't remember the words that Jesus had told him before that these things must happen Jesus I mean I'm sorry Peter takes out his sword and strikes one of the one of the servants the high priest servant on the ear cuts it off in verse 50 it says and the one of the one of them struck the servant speaking of Peter of the high priest and cut off his right ear he's Jesus specific what ear was it the one that got cut off but notice here that in verse 52 it says that among the crowd of people that came Jesus said to the chief priests the chief priests were there captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him elders of the temple so in other words there was a huge crowd people specifically from the temple came to arrest Jesus at this at this point when all this is happening the disciples disperse they run away including Peter but Peter stays behind a little bit hiding and they begin to beat up Jesus you know, in our modern terms, if you're from the streets, if you heard it, he gets jumped, he gets mugged, he gets whipped, he gets beaten with clubs. Now, think about these things, what they did to Jesus. At least me personally, when I read about this, and as we were singing these songs, uh, it... It moves me to know that Jesus took my place. That he was the one that was punished for me. In Matthew 26 verse 57, he records that Jesus was taken by these people who arrested him. He was taken to Caiaphas, the high priest, to his home. Caiaphas. Now, in verse 55 of Luke 22, 55-60, we notice that Peter was following at a distance, this crowd, and he continues to see. And Peter now, now begins to feel remorse for, for leaving Jesus. And he's thinking, man, I told Jesus that I would go with him even to death, and I just deserted him. I just left. Why did I do that? He begins to beat himself up. Why did I do that? But he continues to follow Jesus at a distance, watching everything that is taking place and he sees that he gets taken to Caiaphas again to Caiaphas home being beaten being spat upon being ridiculed being slapped being whipped all kinds of ugly stuff is happening to to him and then in verse 61 through 62 this is where where Jesus had predicted that Peter was going to deny him to the point where the servant girl asked him aren't you one of them and then you know to the point where they asked him yes you're a Galilean because of the way he's dressed they recognize him and the way he's speaking and he's amongst them he's recognized you too were with him and and he says three times no I do not know him woman man I do not know him no I've never met the man and at the third time, as soon as he said the third time, I do not know him. Look at with me in verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. As soon as the third time, and the, and the rooster crowed. As soon as Peter spoke, 
And at the same time, Jesus made eye contact with Peter. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And look at what it says next in verse 62. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. The word wept means that he, you know, cried so much, so much in pain, so much in agony because he knew that he had failed Jesus. He knew that he sinned against God. He had failed. Not only Jesus, which is the one that we got to be worried about, but his friends, his, the disciples, and everybody that was going to be watching had been watching him. He knew he had let them down. And, and then from here on, we don't see Peter anymore. Where did he go? Isn't that what we do too when we fail Jesus? When we, yes, sin has its consequences. But what do we do? Because the enemy enjoys doing this. We isolate ourselves. We hide. We don't even want to talk to other Christians. Because why? The enemy's telling us, you know, I told you, you're not good enough. I told you, you're going to mess up. You're not good enough to be a Christian. Ha, ha, ha. And we believe it. And then we get so angry. We get so angry because we know our brother or our sister is going to come and say, it's okay, you know, just repent. We get so angry about those things. But Peter was crying bitterly. He wept me that he poured his eyes out. I'm sure he spent, you know, nights all the way up to Jesus' resurrection without sleeping. Now, not sleeping. In his eyes, he probably was not able to cry anymore. Now, from Luke chapter 22, verse 63, all the way through chapter 23, verse 25, we know that Jesus was given over to the authorities, which is namely Pilate, Pontius Pilate, to be judged. And Pilate, obviously, simply said, yeah, yeah, we'll whip him, and then we'll send him to Herod. He was glad to send him to Herod, but then Pilate receives Jesus again. And because it was customary to release during Passover a prisoner, he had already by now whipped Jesus so harshly, well, not him directly, but as if he was, by his soldiers so harshly that he was unrecognized as a human being. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that he, he was pretty much, just imagine, just a piece of meat with a cloak on top. You know, with a with a piece of cloth, a purple cloth. By now, they had already mocked him. They had already pierced him with the crown of thorns. The soldiers. And still, people were crying, not crying, but screaming, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" And the song that we just sang in Spanish, you know, "Si hubiera estado allí," if I would have been there, translating it, I would have been me personally. I would have been there, spitting at Jesus beating him, shouting at him, taunting him, all those things. You got to admit, I'm sure you would have been there too alongside of me. Because the Bible says there's not one good person. Not one. There's not one. Now, by now, Jesus was forced to carry his own cross. 
all the way to Golgotha, Calvary Hill. And from where he was at before Pilate, all the way to Golgotha, it was approximately a two-mile journey. He carried, he's already been beaten. He's been, you know, all night long being whipped. And he's still being forced to carry it. But he wasn't only just carrying the cross. My Jesus was embracing the cross. Because he knew that he was going to die in my place. He was embracing it. He knew that by doing this, one day, 2,000 years later, I would come to faith and accept him. And asking for forgiveness and you too can ask for for this forgiveness so that he 2,000 years ago embracing the cross could also have embraced it for you now people in those times were crucified but not any not all criminals were crucified Jesus was crucified in between two criminals and only those who were the most evil of, of, of crimes committed were the ones who were crucified in order to ridicule the people, those who committed the crimes. What crime did our Lord Jesus commit? Speaking the truth. That's what his that's what his crime was. So they led him all the way to Golgotha. Now let's pick it up again in chapter 23, beginning in verse 27 of Luke. Luke 23, verse 27. It says, and a great multitude of the people followed him. Note this. And women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Now this is very important. Women were following him. He doesn't say men were following him. Why? Where were the disciples? Where were the men? Where were they hiding? There was no persecution against the disciples or the Christians yet. Where were they at? Where do we Christians hide when this is the time to, to speak? This is the time that we're supposed to say Jesus is King. Or when you're at work... And, and they say something you know, ugly about the Bible or, or, or they begin to, to speak, you know, say those dirty jokes. And you, are you following along with them? Ah, ha, 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 yeah. Or you even become part of them. Where's the persecution? There was no persecution for these people. This is the time. This is now. Instead of joining in in those, those, those uh, off-color jokes... Why not say, here I am like these women. But note this, and this is very important, that Jesus tells them, he addresses them specifically. Women at that time had no status. They were considered simply property. That's all they were. But he tells them, do not weep. Do not weep. Instead, weep. do not weep for me. Instead, weep for your children. Weep for them. Now, at the feet of the cross, these very same women that were following Jesus, they're the ones who were there, including Mary, his mother, Mary the, uh, the Magdalene, who Jesus drove seven spirits out of her. Now, all these women 
And we know there was other women, other Marys and Salome, and have by now been exhausted of crying, you know, because they were there during his whipping. They were there during the trial to this point where he's about to be crucified. And he's there with them. They're not crying, but they're mentally exhausted. They're emotionally exhausted by now. Again, Jesus says, don't, don't cry. During that time also, it was customary during somebody's death that people would be hired specifically to go cry so that the family and everybody mourns different, so that the family members would be able to cry and mourn for their loved one that just passed. So during this time, there was no wailing, there was no crying. Yes, they were crying tears, but they were not screaming, oh, no, say, you know, that's not what they were doing. So by now, where we're at the high holy day, which is called in, in uh, Yom Tov, the Jewish and the Jewish language had taken place. For us, is our Wednesday sunset, and I've got to be specific about these days, the three days, in, the three nights and three days in the tomb. Our Wednesday sunset, Jesus has already been crucified, becomes the first day in the tomb. Then our Thursday sunset to Friday sunset becomes the second night and the second day in the tomb. Then our Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, the third night and the third day in the tomb. And now come our Saturday sunset, which is the 18th day of the month of Nisan. Now Nisan, Nisan, the first day of the week. By now, Mary Magdalene and the other women had now... You know, this is the sunrise. This is the sunrise of the first day of the week. For us, the first day of the week is Sunday. Many people have asked this question, specifically to me also. Why do you meet on Sundays instead of on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, the seventh day of the week, which is commanded in the Old Testament to meet, to worship God? That's the day of rest. We begin... Our day, the first day of the week, which is Sunday, in rest, rest in Jesus, because He is the reason one. He will now believe, live under grace. That's the reason why we meet on Sunday. But the Bible also says in the book of Romans, we can meet any day of the week. It doesn't have to be specifically this day. But we have chosen, simply chosen Sunday, because it's the first day of the week. We begin our week with Jesus. That's the reason why we begin. Well, that's why we be, we meet on Sundays. Now, this woman, namely speaking, Mary Magdalene, again, she had seven spirits that Jesus had cast out of her. Among the other women, had taken spices because by now, obviously, Jesus was buried in the in the tomb by Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Now, the job of you know, embalming the body and putting the spices with also of women. And when Mary Magdalene, the reason she probably did this is she probably thought, man, two men went to do this. Two men went to, to do the job of women. So leave it to a man. Yeah, right. To do the good job. So now we got to go and do this. So obviously they must have scattered to gather the spices because the Sabbath had just happened. So obviously people were not open for business. They weren't supposed to be open for business, so they gathered all the spices that they probably had in order to come. So on the way to the tomb, they're thinking and they're, they're, they're discussing amongst themselves, Mary Magdalene and the other Marys, 
how are we going to roll the, the stone away? How are we going to go inside? You know, what are we going to do about those soldiers that are there? Because they knew there were soldiers posted there to guard the tomb. And when they got there, Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 5, it says that when they got there, not only was the stone not there covering the tomb, but the stone had been like somebody picked it up. This is a huge stone. Like if somebody just picked it up and threw it, and it was broken in pieces. So I believe they were marveled as they what they saw, and they went in. They went in to see that the tomb was empty. At that point, as the women are there, they're, they're looking around, and at that point, the Bible says, depending on what gospel you're reading, it says that either one angel or two angels, another one records that a multitude of angels appeared. And Mary Magdalene obviously becomes afraid, but just like any time an angel, an angel of God, appears before somebody says, do not be afraid. So he tells her, do not be afraid. Why do you seek the living among the dead? And read with me in chapter 24 of Luke. Verse, verse 6. The angel said, he is not here, but is risen remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again rise again keep reading in verse verse 7 and they remembered his words then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Again, Peter was probably now with them. And he's quiet. Judas is already gone. He's out of the, the picture. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles and their words seemed to them like idle tales. In other words, they didn't believe what they were saying. Women had no credibility. They were just, they had no status. They were simply considered property. And they did not believe them. But Peter, his Peter, arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveled to himself at what had happened. Obviously, the Bible records that they ran him Peter and John ran to the tomb and when they got there obviously they were nervous Peter was nervous whoa whoa what am I going to see what is this supposed to be and things began to make sense to him remembering Peter remembering again he's back on the scene remembering what Jesus had been teaching them all these things see when you read the Bible over and over and over when you study the Bible and then things situations come along in your life you may think well I don't know the Bible I don't know how to speak to people scripture is going to come out of you if you're in the spirit scripture is just going to flow out of you things the way you respond to people the way you act if you allow your the spirit in you to do so again what I said earlier you only you have control but if you give him the control the Holy Spirit to do so 
all these things Peter began to understand you will begin to understand I am in the will of God if you submit to him if you surrender to him I am in the will of God excuse me now after Peter and John are there it says that Peter left rejoicing and, and beginning to understand it says that or we're going to look at it from the point from the book of John go to John chapter 20 these women stayed behind obviously the women went back again turn to John chapter 20 starting in verse 11 it says but Mary stood aside the tomb weeping as she wept she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain then they said to to her woman why are you weeping and she said to them because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have have laid him now when she had said this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and he did not know that it was Jesus now obviously when they went back the angels appeared again to Mary they were still there and she turns around and she sees that Jesus is there but she's thinking that he is the gardener in, the, in the verse 16 of John 20 to me to me this changed my life for me this changed my life the next verse changed my life for me because of what it says verse 16 of John chapter 20 he said to her and in this case to me he said to me Joel Joel he called my name he called my name for her it was Mary Mary at that, that point Mary was able to see that it was Jesus the resurrected Jesus he was alive this Jesus became real to me back in 2006 because he called my name and said you need to grow up Joel he called my name Joel you need to grow up and he can still also call your name specifically if you've never given your life to the Lord if you never said forgive me father forgive me Jesus for everything that I've done if you never done that take the time today as a matter of fact do so right now ask him for his forgiveness ask him to come into your heart if you don't know how to do that if you're sitting with somebody that knows if you don't know call somebody go to our our, our, our YouTube channel go to our Facebook page reach out to somebody through the through the messaging messaging here live chat do so reach out to somebody and somebody will get back to you if you've never done that or if you're with somebody there and you don't know what this means being born alive being born again I'm sorry being born again means that you give your old life to Jesus so that he could take it and crucify it at the cross and be risen with him in glory that's what it means spiritually speaking that's what it means so he can call you by name he can call you his beloved 
Now, based on what we've known so far of these two unlikely people, you know, Peter and, and Mary Magdalene, this sinful woman who had seven evil spirits in her, possessed, a possessed sinner, and Peter, uh, a fisherman, an uneducated person, somebody who was, you know, in the street, somebody that you probably see now in the modern times, probably see outside in the streets, and is so, you know, full bearded, you know, probably wearing dirty clothes. That was Peter. And he obviously smelled because he was a fisherman. He smelled like fish. Mary probably had her hair all messed up all the time because she was possessed. Those two unlikely people. Think about why did he, why did God why did Jesus specifically choose a woman, that woman, to appear for the first time as the resurrected Lord? Why her? Why did he choose Peter, knowing that he was going to deny him? Why did he choose Peter later to 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 strengthen his brethren? If they were you know people that me personally. And I include myself in, I wouldn't have chosen me. I wouldn't have chosen them by the looks of them. I wouldn't have chosen me. And you think about yourself, your own person. Would you have chosen yourself knowing what you know about the Bible? Knowing what you know about your own life? I wouldn't. But because Jesus foreknew that this day today was going to come over 2,000 years ago since before the creation of the world he knew that today will come that's why why did he choose you why did he choose your husband why did he choose your wife for you why did he choose to have your children be born into your family because he wanted you to be the example for them and you 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 be the example to those older ones too, to the younger ones, to be the example of Jesus living in you because he could not stay in the grave forever because he conquered the grave. He's no longer in the grave. He rose and he is alive because he came for you. He's here for you. I pray and I hope that wherever you're at, wherever you're doing today, and the rest of this week, that you turn back to what Jesus spoke to you, His Holy Spirit spoke to you, and choose to accept Him if you've never accepted Him as Lord and Savior. Do so today. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord Jesus, for what You've done in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for this day, Lord, that, that we get to be alive again. This day that you've given us, Lord, as a gift. Father, let us not take for granted the, the freedom, the simple things of life, our family, our wives, our husbands, our children, the job that we have the home that we have, Lord, the food that we have. 
Thank you, Lord, that you've risen from the grave, Lord, and you're waiting for us so that one day, one day very soon, we can come and be with you in eternity forever and ever, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you again for all you've done, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, wherever you're at, amen. God bless you guys. And I hope to see you soon, gathering together to worship together. And when that day happens, it's going to be a great, glorious day that we get together again as a body to worship Him. God bless you guys.
Oh, 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 oh,